Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans across San Marcos. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio on the on the 8th of March. We have a good lineup for you guys today. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson. With me on the boards is my producer, Orlando Smart, and my lovely co-host, Taylor Cruin. We got a good lineup for you guys here today. We're going to be digging into some Texas State baseball as they were dominated by the Roadrunners last night. Also, some Texas State women's basketball, San Marcos High School Rattler basketball as there were some awards that were given out. Also, some NFL free agency and, if we have time, some NBA talk. But for, for, but for the moment, let's throw it to Taylor for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Taylor. Now, let's go on. Before we even get started with all of our sports talk, just a friendly reminder that today is International Women's Day, so we're celebrating a very special holiday. I know, Taylor, I know... You're the only woman in our studio and stuff yes. today for the show, but I just kind of want to kind of ask you, how does it feel to be, you know, well, I mean, not, I mean, to be a woman, but obviously to like have experience and possibly succeed in in life? Well, obviously coming in, wanting to pursue a career in sports journalism and everything, being a woman is definitely something interesting, but I'm glad that I'm seeing more representation, whether it's on ESPN or CBS Sports. So it's very exciting, and I think that women are awesome, and I love celebrating them. I'm glad. I'm glad. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Texas State baseball played a unbelievable game against the UTSA Roadrunners last night, but unfortunately their luck just ran out. The final score was a 11 to 2 and the real story of this game is that the UTSA run roadrunner scored seven runs in the sixth inning and they did not hold up it was a very rough night for the pitching staff as far as Texas State was concerned so I just want to throw it to y'all what did y'all see from this this Bobcat team and uh hope you know they could possibly improve um well I mean it wasn't a great showing to put the least like 11 to 2 that's something that the Bobcats really 11, like, we haven't seen that from them, especially from a rival like UTSA. You would think that they would come out and the, the the passion and the fire would be there, and it just wasn't there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know really what really happened there because, like I said, that's just something that we've never seen from the Bobcats. Um, so I don't think it's something that they would really should harp on. I feel like they should be able to bounce back against North Dakota State, but – that's definitely a game that they should just be looking. They should watch the film once, see what they did wrong, and then throw it away and move on from that because that was just not just an awful night from the Bobcats. Yeah, definitely a hard loss for the Bobcats. UTSA came out ready to play. You know, the Bobcats, on the other hand, they just had very slow game. They only had five hits compared to UTSA's 16, which is absolutely insane. You know, in the sixth inning again, UTSA scored seven runs and eight batters reached the base before the Bobcats were even able to get one out. So they definitely struggled offensively and defensively. Yeah, and the one thing I did want to notice is that, you know, I know last season we kind of talked about how the pitching staff was kind of in question because of their bullpen, but, I mean, now it's seriously in question because giving up, I mean, seven runs in the sixth inning, that normally just doesn't happen. And honestly, that's kind of, I guess you kind of say a little bit shocking, especially for this Bobcat team who uh, who have had experience not only on the bullpen side, but also on the batting side because, uh, you know, the big powerhouses, you know, like Jose Gonzalez and, uh, and Ryan Leary, who we've been mentioning so far this season, 
but I mean, now the pitching staff really needs to work on. Honestly, you know, we always think of Zeke Wood and Levi Wells and Tony Roby as you know the main two starters for the game, but they're usually on the like on the weekend for the most part. So all the guys that you know play during the week, like play a Tuesday game or play a Wednesday night game, they got to step up and try to you know kind of condone, kind of condone themselves and try to make sure that they can actually you know get squared away and get their pitching down so that way they can be ready but their next game or next series i should say will be against the north uh, will be the north uh north dakota state uh this coming friday but i want to ask y'all what did the bobcats need to do to possibly get some more wins and probably uh you know keep this loss out of their mind i mean well if there was going to be a series for the bobcats to bounce back i mean north dakota state is the perfect team for them to do that just looking at their uh, their season this year, they're one and eleven. They've won one single game this year against Sacramento State, and I mean Sacramento State isn't that isn't that hot of a school. So I feel like the Bobcats really just need to. What we've one thing we've been mentioning a lot on this uh, on the show is just finding a way to get on base and then just bring those runners home without having to hit home runs just because a crazy amount of home runs throughout the season isn't that sustainable. We need the Bobcats need to just be able to get just get uh solid hits just inside the park that way they can those those runs that they're leaving on base can actually get home and then that's what that's how they're going to be able to get wins against the big schools they have coming up like TCU and Southern Miss. Yeah, I think for this upcoming series against North Dakota State, the Bobcats definitely need to have their bats ready. They need to produce more hits. Only having five gets in, hits in a game isn't going to isn't going to let you win. So, for next game, they need to be ready to to actually hit the ball and make stuff happen. Yeah, absolutely. So their next, so Bobcats' next game will be again against North Dakota State at six o'clock this coming Friday. It will be here in San Marcos, Texas, at Bobcat Ballpark. So be sure to go out and cheer on for your Bobcats baseball. Or if you can't make it, be sure to tune in to KTSWA nine nine. Will we have the call for that game as well? But we're gonna try and take a transition to the basketball side as the Texas State women's basketball team. Unfortunately, their season has come to an end as they took on the James Madison Dukes in Pensacola, Florida, for the Sun Belt Conference Championship. And unfortunately, it comes to a very scorching end. Bobcats lose that game 81-51. to I mean, that's a tough loss for the Bobcats, and especially for everybody who, you know, who went to the game. Uh, I mean, the Bobcats really, they they hung with them the first uh, first quarter, and then after that, James Madison just completely just completely ran the table for uh the for the for the tournament. So I want to throw it to you guys. What did y'all see from uh this Bobcats team? And you know, unfortunately, you know, their season has come to an end. Well, one thing we knew that they were gonna have to control in this game was Kiki Jefferson. And I mean the to be honest, the Bobcats just didn't do that great of a job with that. But I mean it was one that we said Kiki Jefferson was gonna they she held her twenty two points, but then there was another player, Peyton McDaniel, had 30 points. So that mm-hmm. wasn't, I mean, we, they kind of, they did it on one thing, but then they just had the, another player unexpectedly just have an amazing game. And then when you look at the Bobcats side, the top players for the Bobcats had, I mean, some of the just didn't have that great of games, didn't do the things that they were doing all season. Denasia Hood, who's normally, she gets a double-double every time she laces up her shoes. She only had 15 points four rebounds and so she wasn't killing on the boards kennedy taylor you know she uh the assist record holder this season 10 points only three assists and the her assist to turnover ratio was three to two so in a game like that it was just the the uh the james madison like they just 
they were really just too much for the Bobcats in this game. And I mean, it's the, they played a great season, so it's definitely not something that they they should feel down on themselves about. But it just wasn't the greatest showing for the Bobcats that day. Yeah, I definitely was not expecting this 30-point loss from the Bobcats, but JMU was definitely lethal from three. They finished with 12 three-pointers and shot 75% overall from behind the arc, which is insane. And the Bobcats weren't able to take the lead all game. After the first quarter, it was tied, but they were never really able to catch up. And again, talking about Payne McDaniel, she was 7 from 7 from three and scored 30 points, 10 of 11 shooting. She had a great game, and the Bobcats just couldn't stop her. Yeah, and I agree with you about uh, Peyton McDaniel because I was kind of watching the game a little bit while I was I was in class. I didn't really pay attention too much to it, but I mean, I just saw her just kept hitting three after three after three. I'm like, man, the Bobcats really need to contain her, but she couldn't be stopped. So I mean, I mean, very impressive win for the James Madison Dukes, and they are now officially moving on to uh, the NCAA Women's Tournament. But I mean, overall, as the as the Bobcat basketball season comes to an end, for not only for, well, really for both the men and the women, um, I mean, obviously one did better than obviously one did better than the other, and honestly, the women honestly improved a lot from what they did last season. But one key thing to know is that there's going to be a lot of seniors that are going to be graduating and stuff this coming this this coming semester. So I mean, this is going to be uh, we're going to be losing a lot. So. I mean, but as a whole, I think the Bobcats can improve, especially, you know, on the recruiting uh, recruiting side, because I know a lot of, you know, young girls are trying to come to the Bobcats, uh, come to Texas State to play basketball. So, I mean, this is going to be, um, you know, this is going to be a really, really high-powered offense coming soon. Coach Antoine has nothing to be ashamed of for her, for her team this year. And honestly, a big kudos and a big congratulations to the Bobcats and what they've done uh, this season. But we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to be digging into some San Marcos High School basketball as uh, the boys have received some awards for districts. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 8th of March. And now we're going to be digging into some uh, San Marcos High School basketball. As we all know, their season has come to an end. But there were some awards that were given out to some of the some of the Rattlers players as Malik Presley receives the 27-6A MVP of the seasons. And Caden Gums and Javen Kofer are both uh, all team and first you know, first team in all district. And Mateus Perkins is second team all district. So, I mean. I mean, awards, I think awards mean something, especially for the Bobcats, or especially for the Rattlers. But I know they wanted to win, you know, a state championship. But unfortunately, that didn't come, that honestly didn't come full circle. But I mean, awards still mean something. So I want to kind of throw it to y'all. I mean, award, uh, to me, I like I like receiving awards because it shows the dedication, the passion that you have for the sport that you love. So I kind of want to throw it to y'all. What y'all think of, of the awards? Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of the players would agree that after, winning a championship since that wasn't their like that was obviously their main goal that this was for some of these players the next best thing and like we I mean what what more could we have asked for they played amazing all season and these awards were I mean definitely deserved Malik Presley averaged 20 points and almost 10 rebounds he almost averaged a double double on the entire season Caden Gums as a was the like the amazing point guard he was running this team he was facilitating everything averaging almost over six assists a game he was really just that's just what you need in your starting point guard as well as being able to create his own shot and score buckets as well he averaged 16 points so I mean in Javen Kofer like he the games I was able to watch I mean he was 
the team's heart the team's heartbeat sometimes. There was a the team there it was the game they they ended up losing the game, but it was the game against New Braunfels late in the season. That game was cl- as as close as it was because Javen Kofer was able to knock down the threes he was able to hit. He was a killer from behind the arc this this season, so I mean, these awards, they speak for themselves. These guys did amazing all season, and these awards are definitely deserved. Yeah, these Rattlers are definitely deserving of what they got. Malik Presley, obviously being MVP, he was dominant this whole season throughout the whole for the whole league, and you know, averaging over twenty points a game is insane. So, congrats to him; he definitely deserves it. Going to Caden Gums, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised he's first team All District. He's such a dynamic player. He's quick. He's athletic, and I'm super excited to see him in a Bobcat uniform next next season. He'll have some big shoes to fill now that Mason Harrell's gone, but he definitely has the talent and capabilities to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, going back to, you know, what I was saying about, you know, how the community has been beloved for the San Marcos Rattlers team. I think everybody in, around the community knows that this team is is a very special team. And honestly, this team, to me, will not be forgotten in San Marcos history, because I know we talked about the last time, you know, San Marcos has been relevant in sports. And that was obviously the 91-92 uh, women's championship team, which my aunt was on, which was kind of kind of crazy so um yeah so and uh you know what's crazy is we had to you know the ability to interview one of one of the players on uh on our step on close to the wall previously so but like we'll talk about that for another day but i mean you know obviously unbelievable season for the rattlers and you know we talked about a lot of seniors uh you know obviously graduating you know like Kane and gums like malik presley as well so i mean six seniors leaving this rattlers team uh, you know, the boys obviously are going to have are probably going to be in good hands this coming year, obviously, with players moving up from like from JV or possibly freshmen. You know, you never know. You could see a freshman uh, freshman player being moved up to varsity. So you mean you never know. So we'll see what happens. But a big congratulations to the San Marcos Rastros, what they've done and congratulations to the players for the awards that they received. But that is going to do it for us for San Marcos and local sports. So now we're going to dig in, into some national sports. And we're going to start off with the NFL as free agency has become has is beginning. So we're going to go ahead and dig right in. So first off, Daniel Jones, the New York Giants quarterback, has officially signed a four-year deal to stay a New York Giant. And honestly, I'm not surprised because, you know, everybody was thinking he was going to get franchise tagged. They didn't know if he was going to. Uh, they didn't know if he was gonna, you know, be great next season. And I mean, I'm I'm more surprised. I'm not surprised by this at all. So I'm gonna throw it to y'all. What y'all think? Yeah, I'm not. De- I'm off. Definitely not surprised at all because just the way the league is going, as they signed Daniel Jones to that contract, as well as they used, they ended up using the franchise tag on t- um, Saquon Barkley, which is kind of understandable just the way the league is going. Um, running backs aren't getting; they don't get as much money as quarterbacks. So it just it's not a surprise at all that Daniel Jones got the ended up getting the forty million dollars a year. And but as a Cowboys fan, I can only say that I'm happy that happened because I've never felt um, intimidated by Daniel Jones in a game <laughs> like uh, our record against the. Gi- I think with Dak Prescott playing, the Cowboys have only lost to the Giants like twice, and that was like his both times were his rookie year. So Daniel Jones, as well as 
that just gives them less money to actually give him help, which, I mean, every quarterback needs as well. They did improve this year, but I'm not worried about Daniel Jones doing anything. You should so, be. I mean, maybe. Oh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess they think he will, but he hasn't shown it in the past. But, I mean, that's just kind of how the league is. If you have a guy who you believe in, you're going to have to pay him or move on. And so that's where they are. Yeah, I'm definitely not surprised by this four-year contract for Daniel Jones. I think after last season, he definitely proved to fans that he can be a difference maker. There will definitely be lots of pressure on him now, but he helped lead the Giants to a postseason berth and a wild-card win over the Vikings. And I think the game against the Vikings was like one of the best in Jones' career so far. So, And obviously, Saquon getting the fr- franchise tag, you know, having Daniel Jones and Saquon, I think that's going to be the heart of their offense for next season. And I know my dad's definitely excited because he's a big Big Giants fan, you know, you talking about the Cowboys, he's probably like, what? Ooh. What is he saying so right a lot now? Of, so a lot of rivalry in your household, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Hmm? Me and my mom, Steelers fans, my dad, brother, Giants fans. Oh, boy. Insane. Oh, I, I mean, dinner table dinner table conversations are pretty <laughs> interesting, I bet you. So, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, I mean, unbelievable season this past year, obviously. And having Saquon finally healthy, I think, really helped him a lot because I know Saquon has been injury-prone since he's been in the league. But, you know, a season that Saquon has fully had, honestly, did not disappoint. And I was, unfortunately, I didn't have him on any of my draft, on any of my fantasy drafts. So that made me kind of upset. But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, unbelievable season. I'm glad Daniel Jones finally has, you know, finally has a team, a home team that he can, that he can win games. But another team that is on the ropes for a quarterback, and that is the Baltimore Ravens, as they decide officially yesterday to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. And I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of surprised about this because, you know, Lamar has been, you know, the face of the Ravens since he's been in the league. I know his rookie year, he was kind of thrown into the mix after uh, Joe Flacco got down, was hurt. And, you know, and then the next season becoming, uh, you know, MVP and making the playoffs, and but unfortunately they were one and done. And then the following year, one and done in the playoffs as well. So, I mean, I'm kind of surprised. You know, Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson has helped this Ravens team a lot. But I kind of want to throw it to y'all because, you know, I like Lamar Jackson. I like what he can do on the field. And, you know, I'm just I'm just surprised they didn't pay him. Yeah, I mean, I'm def- that's definitely surprising, especially, especially piggybacking, piggybacking off what we were just saying about Daniel Jones, about quarterbacks getting paid. Um, I don't understand why they wouldn't pay him if, I don't know what other direction they would go in. He's the only person who's – he's, like, the life and soul of their team right now. They don't have any, like, receivers. Their running game without him isn't that great. Like, their team runs behind Lamar Jackson, so I don't, I'm not sure where they think this is going to go because I feel like the, – because the way the, the franchise tag, they sign it, like, the basic – what it is is all the other teams have the ability to – um, offer him something, and then the Ravens have to match that. But at that point, why would he choose the Ravens? It, it, it would be up to him where he goes. So mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be choosing the Ravens at that point. So I feel like at this point, as good as God, like it's that Lamar Jackson is not going to be a Baltimore Raven anymore. I think he'll be an Atlanta Falcon, but I just that's just speculation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely surprised that the Ravens only placed a non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, but I feel like over the past couple of years, it's been hard for them to even negotiate a contract to begin with. And now Lamar Jackson will be able to talk to other teams, but the Ravens have to match it or else he'll go somewhere else. But I do think it's surprising because, like you said, Lamar Jackson is their whole offense. I'm not quite sure what their plan will be if he's not there. Wow, I'm, I'm still surprised. You really think he would be in Atlanta? 
yeah. Orlando? Yeah, because uh, um, they just they moved on from uh, Mar- Mar- yeah, Marcus Mariota. Mariota. So, I mean, I feel like the Atlanta Falcons, they have an offense that would fit him. I mean, and just I just don't think he'll be in – I just I know I don't think he'll be in Baltimore for sure. Where he goes after that, I'm that's just it's up in the air. But yeah, the the Falcons that was like the first because I've been hearing just like rumblings about that all season, and then the news that broke that they like moved on from Mariota like right a, a couple like a week or two ago. So I was like, oh, it feels like things are just kind of setting up for that. So. I don't know. I thought I read that the Atlanta Falcons weren't even interested in pursuing Lamar Jackson anymore. Well, I guess <laughs> I have no clue. Then. <laughs> I guess I, I was just, you know, on Twitter they say a lot of people say a lot of things. So true. It's never you never. I don't know who was, who to believe. Yeah, obviously. Well, because I like Lamar. I think everybody in the world loves Lamar Jackson because the the ability he can, the ability of him to, you know get off the ball and obviously throw the rock because in the beginning of his career people were saying that oh he doesn't have a good arm because he also you always runs the ball a lot so i think people do forget about that but he's trying to improve on his passing game and i think that's one of the reasons maybe why they franchise tagged him in the first place so mm-hmm. i don't know that's kind of that's kind of a speculation but another player that was franchise tagged this past weekend is Mr. Tony Pollard running back for the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not surprised by this because he did get hurt in the in the game against the 49ers, and he has a, a, fib, a fibula fracture. So I'm not surprised that they did that. I'm more surprised of how soon this was because, honestly, I thought maybe they would wait it out, kind of make sure, you know, he's on time for recovery, that kind of, that kind of speculation. And I know, Orlando, you're a Cowboy fan, so I'm going to start with you. So, I mean, do you think this is a step for Tony Pollard? Do you think he'll come back stronger and stuff to get his money, or what do you see? Well, I mean, I don't. I think this move was because I, I feel like this move was going to happen like since last season. That this, I feel like this is just the plan in general. Um, the way things are looking, I feel like they're going to use this last season. They're going to restructure Zeke's contract to get him to because his cap hit is insane right now. Um, and then just run it back one year and then kind of use this season how they used last season for Dalton Schultz. Uh, we drafted two rookies, or we had one was undrafted. We had two rookies franchise Dalton Schultz and kind of used that season to give him uh, like one final year here in Dallas, I guess. And then uh, like this year, we're going to be, I'm pretty sure we're going to be moving on from Dalton Schultz. And then I feel like we'll go through the draft get like a late round uh, running back and then just trying to go from there and then move on from Zeke and Tony next year, which I'll be kind of okay with. Um, uh, I, but I do, I do feel like they deserve one more chance. So I'm happy that they franchise tagged him. And I, I just, this was something that they been planning on doing from like as soon as the season started, just because of the way the contracts work and the salary cap and everything, they just, they needed to run it back one more season and that's what they're doing. Yeah, I think Tony Pollard definitely deserves the franchise tag. He's a dual threat. He's coming off his first Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl selection. So I think that was a good move by them. Also, like the Cowboys are trying to figure out how to sign him to a multi-year deal. So hopefully he can get that too. But I think he's definitely going to be 100% before training camp starts. So that'll be great for the Cowboys. Well, here's um, here's another thing. The fact that, I, in this is my honest opinion, I think, Z, I think Tony Pollard probably is a better running back than than Ezekiel Elliott and that's just going off just of these past two seasons 
Tony Pollard has had great production for this Cowboys offense. And honestly, without him, I don't think this offense really has an offense. You know, I know we talk about, you know, that Prescott improving. I know we talk about their receivers and CD with CD and obviously tight end Dalton Schultz. But like you said, Dalton Schultz not probably probably not going to be uh, in Dallas party this coming season. So, I mean, this is this is tough, especially for the Cowboys organization. So they got a lot of a lot of things to work out. You know, I know Jerry Jones is probably going to figure out some way somehow to possibly sign everybody and i don't know he's 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 a magician sometimes when it comes to situations like this but one more player that we have to discuss in the nfl and that is the bad a bad man and aaron <laughs> Rodgers. and aaron Rodgers, we have not heard him in in any name of sports this past week really this past weekend because of uh, i guess maybe because of free agency stuff but i mean He's a free agent this year, and honestly, his last – the game uh, he played against Detroit this past regular season, we all looked on that game, and we were like, this might be Aaron Rodgers' final game as a Green Bay Packer. And honestly, that has been in speculations really for a while because I know last year was a lot of controversy after that 49er loss that he took. And then, uh, you know, obviously coming into this year, not even making it to the playoffs and stuff this year. So, I mean, this is going to be really interesting. But honestly, I'm honestly I'm hoping that Rodgers could possibly end up with the Rams that I mean, not the Rams, excuse me, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, because obviously the, the connection with Devontae Adams and him is very special. And then obviously adding the big tight end and Darren Waller, who's, you know, obviously a top five tight end in the league. So, I mean. I'm going to throw it to y'all because Aaron Rodgers has been in this situation a lot. And honestly, we're, I'm honestly, I'm kind of tired of it. <laughs> not going to lie to you. But I'm going to say, what team do y'all think he would fit best? I mean, that's exactly where I was going to go with the Kobe, the the Raiders, especially with, with him going, uh, moving on from Derek Carr and him going to the Saints. I definitely feel like the Raiders would be a perfect fit for Aaron Rodgers. They would be the, like you said, the him being reunited with um, Devontae Adams there. And that was, that was what he was missing last year. That's what I feel like both him and Devontae were missing last year was each other because Aaron Rodgers didn't have any receivers really to throw it to. And then Devontae Adams was not having the greatest time with Derek Carr. There were times on the sideline where he was not looking happy. So I feel like a, re, uh, a reunion there would be big for both parties and would just be the perfect fit for the Raiders. And they could, I mean, they'd be kind of scary at that point. Yeah, I feel like the Raiders could definitely be a landing spot for Rodgers, but I also think maybe the Jets, you know, Zach Wilson is kind of on thin ice, and I think the Jets need a veteran quarterback to carry their offense, and I think he'd be a great addition to the Jets. But I do agree, him going to the Raiders and teaming back up with Devontae Adams would also be really cool. Hmm, the Jets. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, thinking about I'm thinking about that for a no, second. He the, he, Zach Wilson definitely has some, like, issues going yeah, on. Yeah, I no. mean, he does, but, I mean... <sighs> It's the, but the it's no, but the Jets that with outside of Zach Wilson were really good this year, defensive wise specifically, and then they had both the offensive uh, rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. So there's some pieces there to build off of. Exactly, and with the a veteran quarterback, I feel like they'd be even better. Well, I think if you really kind of look at the way both of these teams are, the rate because to me, Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers already has a team to, for ready to win the Super Bowl, then he, I think he would stick with that rather than trying to build a team because there are certain quarterbacks in the league currently who 
are made who are already made for a team like can go with the team and win a Super Bowl, aka Tom Brady, who's retired. Um <laughs> Who is ready? Who's well, allegedly? Yeah. about we'll him coming see. back. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's certain quarterbacks who are you know who can obviously go to a team and try to build a foundation around it and try to you know make it to a Super Bowl. And then there's quarterbacks in the league who already who can already have teams ready to go to the Super Bowl and could just you know try to produce and get much out of it as they can. So like, and see, it just kind of depends on the team. To me, I think the Raiders would be a better fit because I honestly think they're ready to. They are ready to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, they got a longtime veterans on the team. Honest, but the defense, but the Raiders defense needs improvement mostly. Offense, I think they're fine because obviously Josh Jacobs, who I should say is franchise tag as well, which I'm I'm kind of surprised because he had an amazing season. And you know, obviously Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. I mean, you're set for the most part. All you need is a quarterback, and you're good. But honestly. Defensively, I think they just they just need uh, some 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 tough love, and hopefully they can improve on it. But that is going to do it for us here in the studio. But before we get out here, let's throw it to Orlando Smart for our weather report. All right, it is currently seventy seven degrees here in San Marcos. It is mostly cloudy. The high for today will be eighty four. The low will be sixty four. And it's going to be looking like that for the rest of the week. Um, there's a thirty percent chance of rain um, on Friday. So other than that, it's going to be looking pretty cloudy all weekend. So, I mean, guys, you can have um, your – the world is your oyster at that point. You can do anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for joining us here on this lovely Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. And also, big shout-out to every single KTSW staff member. It is International Women's Day, like I said before. So be sure to go out and celebrate as well. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson, with me on the boards, Orlando Smart, and my lovely co-host, Taylor Quinn. You guys have yourself a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Stay safe out there. And now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.